everyone, and welcome to another episode of Session Zero. My name is Jason, and as usual, I am joined by the wonderful Alicia and the handsome Gerald. Oh, hello. Hi. (laughs) I like that introduction. I'm trying to get better with them. You know, everyone needs to know that you guys are wonderful, handsome, beautiful people. Oh, thank you. I think it's only fair. I'm the only one who's spoiled getting to see you uh, while we record, but hey. I agree. They gotta live the fantasy, right? Yeah. I should probably brush my hair more often. That's that's all I realize. Oh, I don't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we up to today? Uh, so today, I figured we would kind of explore the other half of D&D, because there's a lot of fun doing the dice rolling and all that stuff, uh, but at its core, D&D is a role-playing game, and it struck me that we've never really talked about role-playing and how it kind of works in this game overall. I mean, I figured we would just, you know, figure that out on the old, on our own, you know, as we go. Yeah, f- fake it till you make it, kind of. Yeah, exactly. We would role play. Well, everyone's coming from a different kind of perspective on role play, especially in like tabletop games. So it's good to at least have the conversation before we kind of do something with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess. So, I guess I'll start off by asking, what do you guys think role-playing is used for, for the most part, in D&D? Uh, fun? (sighs) Yeah? It's my first guess. I mean, I mean, really, like, without the role-playing aspect of it, it seems almost like it would be, well, I mean, I guess boring. It wouldn't be fun, but it will also probably not last as long. Like, I don't think people would be as interested in maintaining a campaign if they weren't, like personally invested in a story that they were creating with the G- the, the DM and the, their, you know, their companions. Yeah, that's also pretty fair. Um, honestly, it makes it fun and it also depends on I guess what you're trying to get out of the campaign, because if you're expecting like a long running campaign, like personally, as when I'm a player, uh, I like to get into like story and like build backstory and make connections with my other characters that are around me, which you'll kind of learn pretty quickly that most people kind of stick to uh, some kind of stereotrope. 
when it comes to how they play their characters. As an example, the last three campaigns I've been, I did not want to be the leader of the party, and somehow I ended up being the leader of the party. Surprise! Oh, but, you know, to, to be fair, it's mostly about building the story and building out the world. Um, I guess something I wanted to touch on is kind of like some role-playing etiquette, I guess. It's like unspoken role-playing rules, especially in like D&D. Um, like one of them being... Uh, ask your DM what your character actually knows. If that makes sense. So, no. well, I mean, I guess that does make sense because our DM would be the one that I guess could either limit or allow our character to make or take certain actions based on the knowledge that he or she has, right? Like, we can't exactly. just do absolutely everything because we say so. Exactly. I mean, you can attempt things, and every now and then, like, just as humans, we have, like, random tidbits of information tucked away. Mm -hmm. It's the same role-playing-wise. Like, maybe you get a good check, and suddenly you know something that you would think you're not supposed to. Um but as an example, let's take Chip, who has been in the forest uh, most of his life, uh, or most of her life, and might not know, for example, that there's a whole city of dragonborns on the other side of the world, and doesn't really know what a dragonborn is. Fair. So part of that is, you know, Chip's reaction to first meeting a dragonborn. Like, are they going to be calm, cool, and collected? Or are they going to freak out? Freak out. I'd say the temperament would be to be calm, but... I also might do something stupid as Chip and be like, hey, can I touch your scales? So, you know, I could go <laughs> And that's fair. You know, you, you could do freak out and, like, run away. Freak out and, like, ooh, I'm curious. Or, you know, just kind of shy off and observe. Like, you know... It's basically describing how you want your character to be. Um, a lot of uh, people that I know that like to imagine their characters already have a personality picked out for those characters. And some of them might be like, you know, little quirks here and there. Like, do you think any of your Either Chip or Thorogood have any quirks or anything that's unique about them or how they approach situations? You know, 
I don't think I considered that. I guess I kind of imagine Chip as kind of an extension of my personality. And the fun of it is trying to explore different different things that I couldn't normally do in my my life. So I guess that's part of the fun of it. Yeah. It's always fun to kind of think about not just the positive things that your characters have, but the negative things, because sometimes the negative things can be even funnier to roleplay. Um, as an example, uh, a character that I've wanted to make for a while and haven't had a chance to play is a wizard uh, in the school of uh, chromaturgy, which is time, who's actually a watchmaker and doesn't believe in magic <laughs> and thinks it just comes from his skills of making watches. That is really deep, like in detailed. And silly. Yeah. I, I mean, you want to talk about silly. Um, my wife and I have a mutual friend who has a character idea called Love Machine that is just a Warforged that plays love songs and is a bard. Does he sing the Love Machine song from Cheech and Chong? Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I hope so. Well, now I have so many things to think about. Yes. Yeah. Because mm. let's put Thurgood in one of those kind of situations where, you know, does he always feel like he has the upper hand in an argument? Yes. because he thinks he's smarter than everybody. And he may not be, but he thinks he is. And he's got the confidence. And I think that confidence is key. He thinks that confidence is somewhat intimidating to people. And he tries to use that, you know, intimidating confidence to convince other people that he's smarter than them. So if he were to come across, say, someone who used to be an archmage and decided to uh, slum it, and they were talking about, just as an example, they were talking about uh, a particular book that they've both read and how the archmage views it in one particular way, which happens to be the correct way, would Thorogood assume that his way is still correct? Until proven wrong, or how would he react? Uh, so I'd like to think that he is always seeking knowledge so he always thinks he's right but he's willing to accept when he's wrong if evidence is provided that he's wrong does that make sense okay so like, he's accept he's accepting 
Yeah. Um, but if nobody knows, then he's going to convince everybody that he's right, even if he's wrong. Until proven otherwise. Correct. That's fair. He's kind of a jerk like that. And thinking about Chip for a second to get Alicia back in on this conversation, monks are typically, you know, pretty humble. But does Chip maybe have a chip on his shoulder or her shoulder? I got I got to stop doing that. I'm sorry. For those of you who can't see, I'm shaking my head. It's because every time I hear Chip, I think of Chip from Chip and Dales. And it's like Chip is a boy. But Chip is also a chipmunk and not a monk, just a chipmunk. <laughs> um, I I would say that Chip is humble, but um, fighting the urge to to be outside of the monk stereotype, like curious and wants to be loud and adventurous and monks are usually pretty chill. They were raised as a monk because that's what happened, not because they chose it. Okay. So they grew up with it, but it wasn't their choice. Correct. And they're trying to figure out what they want their choice to be and how to meld that into who they currently are. Okay. So being humble, how would Chip react to uh, adversity? Can you say it in a sentence? Um. (laughs) let's kind of go back a a couple episodes and say if it wasn't a combat example and you had more time Mm. would chip have tried to talk billy bob out of the fight or would chip have just been like all right let's throw down definitely talk out of the fight although chip does enjoy punching things But that's not how, you know, punching things is not how Chip grew up. It's not what Chip was taught. Chip's a little young. So experience needs to teach Chip to slower roll. You said that Chip is a little young. How old is she? Have you thought about that? Well, she's an ASMR, so they live longer than humans typically do. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd say early to mid-twenties. Okay. So So pretty young. Some experience under the belt, but not too much. Yeah. How old is Thorogood? I mean, he's been around. He's probably, he's spent some time traveling the Earth. And so he's, i say he's probably in his 40s. Not too old, not super young, but 
you know, ready yeah. to have a midlife crisis at some point. Oh, he's already bought his convertible. Are there by convertible? In yeah, by convertible he means a wagon without a top on it. Exactly. Oh, nice. And Amish style. And it's pulled by it's pulled by a Mustang instead of like a Clydesdale. Exactly. <laughs> I got a Mustang at convertible. Wonderful. <laughs> I'm picturing it. Just a horse. Anyways. Uh, so, I guess something else outside of looking inside of your character's kind of story and you know, kind of figuring out how they were raised and what their personality is like, which honestly for. Your first character, Alicia, I did the same thing. Uh, I kind of based it off of me a little bit and exaggerated myself a bit, which is totally fine. Um, If I'm exaggerating myself, Chip is going to be like crying all the time, shouts when she talks, and uh, never stops talking. So I don't know if that's very monk-like. That's just uh, me. I mean, you're going drunken master, so maybe. True. She's, True. maybe she's just you know she expresses herself. She's a, maybe she's a happy drunk. <laughs> I do giggle a lot when I drink. So. Side thoughts, anyways. Um. So. Unspoken rules, I guess, are you know. Um, Ask your DM, like, if you know something about that. Uh, a lot of times, uh, I will try to be on top of it and say, like, this is something you would recognize from uh, your background, or, you know, this is something that you've seen before because uh, Thoroughgood as a bard has been through this town multiple times and has uh, gotten a couple of stories for his songs from there or something like that. Um, But I might not be able to give you everything. So one of the most common and easiest questions that you can ask to help the role playing along is, Hey DM, do I know anything about this thing or this town? Okay. So you can ask ahead of time. That way, you know. Oh, I mean, yeah, that way, you know. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, that's something we can talk to uh, pre-session and, uh, you know, has Thoroughgood been all around the world or uh, has Chip only been like in this forest uh, area and maybe the surrounding towns, so everything outside of that they wouldn't know, but maybe they know those towns and that forest really well. Uh, things like that, you know. Okay. So, what questions do you have for me, I guess, about role-playing in general? I don't I mean, have when, a lot. 
Okay, so... I'm hoping to... Uh, have a friend come along and co-host with us next week and present kind of like a role-playing situation. And I'll kind of sit back and DM and let you guys play it out and see how everything goes and we'll we can kind of debrief on it afterwards. How does that get, how does that sound to you guys? Good, yes. exciting. Yeah. Let's do it. Are you ready? I mean, I'm always ready. Even if I'm not ready, I have to pretend like I'm ready. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, is there ever like too much role playing? Like, does that even exist? Uh, no, actually. Um, I think it depends on your personal personality and uh, the group and how they're playing. Um, as an example, one of the questions that you typically should ask a DM is like, hey, kind of like how much is percentage of the game is role playing and how much is combat? Um, and I like to shoot for maybe like a 60-40 role playing to combat because I like there to be action and move things along um because i personally am a big fan of like the dice rolling and um you know the strategic planning and things like that uh but i'm in a sunday campaign with uh just chris where we've gone the last like two sessions literally just role-playing and it's been a blast because a lot of that also goes with, like, you know, how good is your DM in coming up with, like, fun NPCs or how good is it, like, the group at, like, creating situations for themselves? Like, as an example, how would Chip... And Thorogood react with four other people just at a bar drinking for a night. Uh, I mean, Thorogood's talking it up, probably singing some songs, making some friends. May, may run his mouth a little bit if he hears something that just doesn't sit well with him. Uh, may ask Chip to step in. Um, because he can write the checks, but he cannot cash them. Like, let's be honest. Uh, he's got a really got low. Back. He's got a really low strength modifier. Um, I mean, he could take a punch or two, but he certainly can't punch back. I'm gonna be quiet and fade into the background a little bit until I have to save this one. And, uh, you know, it takes a while for me to warm up. Okay. Because realistically, uh, that's the most common way to meet up with the rest of the party. Because you guys already know each other, but the other party members don't know you. And... 
as an example, Chris's character is very loud and charismatic and probably will be the center of attention in whatever situation uh, you guys are meeting her. So at first, do your characters be like, oh, I want to hang out with that person or that person's too loud. I kind of want to ignore it for now. This will be excellent. I mean, will she dance if I sing a song? I want to say, yeah. All right. Well, then I will play a song for whatever character they play this, you know, in this campaign. This super charismatic barbarian with happy feet. That's basically what you're getting now. A dancer. Nice. So I think that kind of wraps up your intro to roleplay. I guess some advanced kind of roleplay tips and like some etiquette and stuff is as you start looking ahead and maybe you're curious about like monsters and stuff like if your character doesn't know what the monster is um even though you personally do uh just remember to play your character and not play what you personally know good point because like sometimes and that goes across like everything else like magic items or you know maybe okay kind of coming back to things that you might know that nobody else will know um let's say for an example chip knows there's something in this forest and i'll say out loud to everybody chip you would know that there is a legend in this forest about a giant bear that would attack lone travelers at night man bear pig is that is <laughs> maybe Nightmare <laughs> is that something Chip would share with the group or is that something Chip would just be like I'm gonna look out for that and if it happens I'll tell somebody or just kind of be hush hush about it because Chip has never actually seen it because at that point I've said it out loud to everybody at the table or at the game So, Chip is the only one who knows, but Gerald knows, but Thorogood doesn't. So Gerald has to play like Thorogood has no idea that that was just said. Until Chip decides to say, hey, there's this legend, so maybe we should watch out for it. And then it's fair game for everybody. Okay, okay. This is going to be interesting, trying to make sure I'm thinking as Chip and not myself. 
Yeah, that's going to be I, the the difficult part. Is I, I will say that your best friend in D and D is a notebook mm. and a pencil or a pen. Ideally, a pencil because you can erase it and fix it later if in case something's wrong. Uh, but notes upon notes upon notes, like people dedicate whole notebooks to campaigns because they you know, draw images of there and like as an example I'll just show you one of the pages here. I'm sorry I can't show this to all the listeners, but this is it's a notebook from it's one red. of my it's a red notebook. <laughs> it's got notes in it. But like this is where the notes start. And if you can see that, like it's notes upon notes and then an image of concentric circles with, uh, like, lightning flowing through it and, like, all these things that are just, like, important tidbits of information. And something I am still learning to do, I will write the notes that are important to my character, um... But not things that, like, other people have known. Because for me, it's easier to say, okay, my character knows this list of things, but not these things. So I wasn't involved in that conversation, so I'm not writing it down. And that's one of my kind of tips of the trade. Uh, If you're good at kind of separating it, or if you have a better way to better way to separate it, like maybe you write things that you don't know in a different color, but you can refer back to, or like highlight it after or something. Like, there, I'm sure there's ways around it. It's just for myself personally, I'll write what my character knows, but not what somebody else knows if I wasn't involved in that conversation. Notebooks are your friend. Noted. (laughs) Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Any other closing questions before we uh, wrap up for today? Uh, No, not that I can think of. No. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to next week. I am going to start coordinating with uh, a friend of mine to see if they are interested. If not, I'll try a couple of friends. I will most likely have something. If not, then it'll just be me coming up with another situation that we work through. So everybody, on behalf of Gerald and Alicia... Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.